UMass finished off an absolutely perfect weekend by sweeping UConn in a home-and-home -home series. We're breaking down all of it, plus we're looking ahead to a big-time matchup with number one BC this weekend. So let's go. Character. Hello, everybody, and welcome to episode 111 of High Character, presented by Homefield Apparel. UMass just had an absolutely perfect weekend against UConn. They won both games of the home and home, got all six points for Hockey East. Uh, we had our event with Homefield that went swimmingly. We had the Chill the Bill game, a really big crowd there. So just an absolutely perfect weekend all around. We could not be more excited to talk about it. My name is Cameron, and once again, I am joined by my good friend, Evan. Evan, I already know the answer to this, but how you doing, man? Why bother asking, Cam? No, I'm just kidding. But, um, I mean, we asked for a couple things, I feel like, for this weekend. We asked for six points. The team delivered. We asked for people to show up to the home field event. You guys delivered. Doesn't get much better than that, does it, Cam? Like, it, I feel yeah. like we're, we're doing great right now. Well, the spirits are super high. Life's good. Can't wait to get into this pod because this is probably going to be one of my favorite ones of the season. Yeah, and uh, we mentioned our event. That was with Home Field Apparel. We are having a great time being partners with them. Evan mentioned our event with them over the weekend. It went phenomenally. We had way bigger turnout than we even expected, so thank you guys so much. Um, they were celebrating their new line of UMass Hockey Apparel. They are a premium collegiate uh, apparel brand. They have all kinds of Cool college looks for over 150 schools. Uh, one of them is UMass, and their UMass line is, is growing, and it's really awesome. Um, they have a lot of throwback designs. That's kind of what these new UMass hockey designs are inspired by. They're really sweet looking. If you weren't able to join us at our event with them over the weekend, uh, we have we still have a deal for you. Use code PUCK10, that's P-U-C-K-10, on homefieldapparel.com. You still get 10% off your first order of UMass stuff there. So still a deal to be had if you missed out. But yeah, uh, incredible event for some pretty incredible apparel. And it seems like from the feedback we got, people are loving it. Yeah, I mean, I was loving it too. I mean, Cam, you're probably going to end up curating a crazy cool Instagram post at some point, which is probably going to feature both of us in there. I'm pretty sure we were both rocking home field merch. You know, we were looking yep. nice and flashy. We were feeling comfortable. I, I love the feel of the clothes, if I'm being honest with you, like, this is coming from a guy who shops from Walmart usually <laughs> like, you know, I'm, I'm used to the crappy little like, you know, like fruit of the loom t-shirts that are a little scratchy. This stuff actually top quality. I think like on the inside, it was like 99% cotton, like 1% polyester. I don't know what it is. I feel like that 1% polyester makes the difference. <laughs> like it's genuinely <laughs> just super, super comfortable clothing. So again, you guys know me. If, if I'm not rocking with what I'm eating or what I'm, or what I'm, you know, kind of wearing, I'll let you guys know. And I love this stuff as usual. I mean, you guys hear me say it every episode and it's not because I'm contractually obligated to say so. It's because I genuinely feel that way. So super happy to be, to be supporting home field. I'm super happy that we're, that they're supporting us as well. Yeah. And the event went so well, we're hoping that we're going to have more uh, of those kind of events in the future. So if you missed out, you're, I think you're going to get yourself another chance in the future, but if you did, you still want to check out that apparel, go to homefieldapparel.com, use code puck 10. Uh, it helps us, it helps you, and it'll get to you some some sweet UMass hockey gear. So wins all around. Right Genuinely hope that we can have one of these events every weekend. You know what I mean? If it, if it yep. was my ideal world, we'd be doing that all the time because I had a blast, and I feel like everybody else did as well. Yeah, and we also had a blast watching hockey this weekend. Um, two awesome wins for UMass. Really all positive vibes ahead of this big weekend series against BC. So let's get into it. First game. At UConn, at the the tiny Toscano Family Ice Arena, uh, UMass's second game there in program history. We were lucky enough to go last year. We also were in attendance for this one. Um, so fun time. Not too many UMass fans, obviously, because the place is tiny and they don't really sell tickets to anybody else. But uh, it was fun nonetheless. Lineup notes for this one: not much different from the last game out there. Um, I can't remember if Michael Cameron was the center for the fourth line last time. I think that he was, was the, I believe. Uh, yeah. So yeah. yeah, no, no real notable changes there at all. Aaron Bollinger, extra skater again, Michael Ravel and that I, I don't think there's anything here notable compared to the last game out there. 
Yeah, not that I'm aware of off a of first glance. I'm trying to remember the the previous lineup. Um, but I think the only changes ended up being from game one to game two in this series. Yeah. Uh, which we'll talk about later on in the episode. So yeah, like you said, I don't think there was any major changes. Yeah, so we we get underway at Toscano. I thought UMass came out pretty fast. Um, they looked pretty good, all things considered, in this first period. Uh, I think getting the slight majority of chances, it wasn't lopsided by any means. There were there were no goals in this period, spoiler alert. But um UMass UMass holding their own, not not anything too notable happening in this first period, I don't think. Yeah, I mean, if anything, I mean, I kind of just liked the way that we looked overall. I mean, like you kind of said, wasn't anything crazy going on in the period. But in my opinion, I wouldn't really call it a slow start. I would definitely say I think the first five minutes of this period, we were buzzing. Like, we definitely were getting, you know, a lot of, you know, open looks on the net. I think it required some unbelievable saves out of uh, his name, Arseny Sergeyev, I believe. Uh, that, yeah. was their, that was their goalie in the first game. He was making some unbelievable pad stops. I want to say off the top of my head, I think there was a two-on-one. Might have been Taylor McCarr and I think Nick Van Tassel. I think it was a two-on-one, and I think Taylor ended up passing it over to Van Tassel. Unfortunate that Van Tassel couldn't bury that one. It required an unbelievable diving pad stop from Sergey mm-hmm. to get it done. But we were getting a good amount of looks in the first five minutes of the period, and then it kind of started to slow down a little bit, I think, as UConn started to settle in a bit more. But like you said, no goals in this period, but – I really did like the way that we started the period. Yeah, and it seemed like UMass kind of broke out a new defensive scheme for this game that we we hadn't seen for a while. Um, really did a good job clogging up the neutral zone this entire game. Uh, kind of that like one three one defensive set, and it, it proved really effective. Uh, really frustrating UConn; they weren't able to get many quality chances at all. Uh, we go to the second, more of the same. Um, I think I think UMass controlled the pace of play here. I think. At the end of this period, uh, still with no score, you would have said UMass has been the better team. They ended up with 13 shots in the second period. Uh, both teams had 13, actually, so a lot more shots this one, but still nothing getting through. But I think I think overarchingly, I think you'd say UMass was the better team through two here. Yeah, I think you, or UMass was definitely a better team, but let's not discredit Michael Hrabble. I feel like right. he was a big reason that you know the game was tied. I mean, I didn't really think that UConn had many – like major clear cut, like a plus opportunities by any stretch. But I think they had a couple of half chances that I think might've challenged travel just a touch, but not to discredit travel in any sense either. But I do think that the defense helped out quite a bit. They, they were very, very good at clearing out rebounds in front of the net, which I don't think could necessarily be said at certain points this season. Travel, I think the one slight knock on his game so far, because I think he's cleaned up the glove hand quite a bit in recent memory but still his rebound control leaves it a bit to be desired. I feel like if teams want to shoot low on him and try and, you know, attack the pads, if you will, sometimes he'll be launching pucks out towards the mid slot and they could get cleaned up for a greasy rebound goal. I think UMass, like, you know, Lyndon Alger, Ryan Ufko, Scotty, all those guys were doing a really, really good job about just kind of sweeping pucks out from the front of the net and making sure that we can kind of, you know, help out travel a little bit and clear out any sort of danger from in front of the net. Yeah, I think that was really notable from this game was how well the team was doing at clearing pucks from out front. Uh, like you said, there were a few instances this year, more than a few, I would say, where we got caught not being able to clear the puck out front, yep. but a lot of shot blocking in and around Harabble, which was really nice to see. And you mentioned Harabble's maybe one weakness being uh, his ability to control rebounds. I think UConn attacked that quite a bit in the third yep. period near the end there, but it ended up not being fruitful for them. But anyway, uh, no score. We go into the third period. Right out the jump, less than three minutes in, we see UMass, uh, all kinds of pressure. They're cycling the puck in UConn zone. Scotty Morrow ends up with the puck behind the goal line. He tosses a little backhand into the slot, and Don's Lushmelis, he's wide open. He's able to create a little space for himself out in front, puts one over the top of the goalie's glove, and just like that, that's a go-ahead goal for UMass in the third. Yeah, really, really impressed. I like. I feel like is the term here by by Loschmelis to kind of find the soft spot. I feel like you know all it took was a little tiny hop step. You know, if anybody wants to actually go back and look at the goal, it's up on U- UMass Hockey's Twitter. He does this little tiny hop step to kind of get around the defender in front and just find the soft spot right in the slot. He attacked that space so perfectly. It's not like he darted over there. It just looked very fluid, just one motion, not to kind of like 
tip off any defenseman that he was going to try and make a move there. Just a very subtle move to find out a little bit of space. And he rockets at home. You know what I mean? Like he was in tight, got a little bit of space, but managed to pick it out far post with a beautiful shot, which I feel like I like Loschmelis shooting. I feel like has kind of gone under the radar a little bit. I feel like the goals that he scored this season have been really, really solid in tight finishes. It's not like he's coming in off the rush and just nipping them bar down, but he doesn't necessarily get a lot of space to work with on his goals, but he makes a count. You know what I mean? Like, and I think this was a really, really good example of that. And not to discredit Scotty Mora, great pass from him to kind of at least recognize the move. I don't know if that's something that maybe they worked on in practice or, you know, whatever, but definitely just a little smart move right into the, right into the mid slot manages to tap at home. Great goal. Yeah, it was a great goal. And it opened the floodgates a little bit for UMass on the ensuing faceoff after the goal, the puck ends up out on the right side against the boards O'Hara has it. He skates through a couple guys to get it down low and just an absolutely phenomenal job by O'Hara and Kenny Connors to, to keep this play alive. Uh, basically getting defended three on two. They're able to control the puck. I think it ends up on Connors stick and he taps one out in front to a streaking Jack Musa into the slot and Musa buries one home 18 seconds later and vibes were absolutely immaculate. Now UMass is rolling, makes it two nothing. Little bit of Musa magic here. I feel like this is almost identical to the other goal. You know what I mean? Just kind of in tight, quick little snapshot finish, and it gets the job done. I think it was over, uh, might have been over Sergeyev's uh, blocker side shoulder. Couldn't really tell there, but hey, and ends up hitting the back of the net. We were feeling amazing, especially after this goal. I mean, we were already on cloud nine after the first goal because I don't know how much we want to get into it on, in, in this episode, but there were these two guys that were sitting behind us who were like UConn fans. I don't know if they were like a player's like, you know, family member, maybe like a dad or something like that. But this guy was screaming about Nick Capone the whole game. He was like, let's go Nicky. Like, woo. And he was like being really, you know, he was like, you mass sucks. Like, you know, throwing out all this sort of crazy slander. A bit derogatory too. A little bit. We won't say on here. <laughs> yeah. There was a couple things that were really questionable that, you yeah. know, like I said, it wouldn't be very high character of us to be able to, uh, you know, repeat those on air yeah. here. So we'll save you guys the details, but this was a particularly unsavory individual. And after the second goal, all I could do was just turn around and just smile at him. You know what I mean? Like just kill him with kindness. We were, we were loving life because he knew, he knew that UConn was not in a good place to succeed right here. They don't even know how to score on their home ice. I forget what the stat was, but Cam, you might want to, you know, I think you might have it. You have like, it. They, yeah, uh, go, go for it. Including this game, six games in a row at Toscano without being able to score uh, a goal with an assist, which is wild. I mean, come on now. You know what I mean? Like, if you're in a goal drought, I understand what that can do to somebody's, you know, mental. You know, <laughs> just like he was probably rattled just having to go through all these games. But he doesn't have to take it out on us. You know what I mean? Take it out on the coach. Take it out on the team. You know, <laughs> like, don't take it out on the opposing fans who quite simply just have a better hockey team. You know what I mean? Yeah. So I feel like he was going a little bit crazy. Uh, that That's not going to be the first time that uh, we get into it with a fan, I think, during this game. Things got a little spicy at the end of the game as well. But, yeah, we were just riding a high wave right here. I mean, life was great. Musa sent us into an absolute frenzy, and I feel like it was fully deserved because – we were just waiting for that breakthrough and then to get to, and what was it? 18 seconds icing yep. on the cake right there. Yeah. And it seemed like UMass kind of coasted after this, the shot totals. Now that I'm seeing them are actually pretty high. You kind of ended up with 16 shots in this period. I think a lot of it happened. They, they pulled their goalie with over three yep. minutes to go. So um, kind of a flurry of shots there. Um, a lot, a lot of uh, effort being put into trying to get rebounds low, low yeah. pad side on, uh, on Harabble, but UMass does a good job cleaning up those those little opportunities for UConn. They're not able to get anything done. Just like that, UMass, nice, tidy, 2 nothing road win. They get the three Hockey East points. And like you said, we were we were on cloud nine. Yeah, I mean, and just to kind of, you know, reiterate your points, like Frabble both literally and figuratively stood tall in this game. You know, what I, like he was, you know, I'd say he was caught in his butterfly for a majority of the second half of the, of the, of the final period. Like, I feel like UConn's game plan was mainly centered around just hacking away at the puck and trying to score something greasy because they were trying, I feel like for the first two periods to try and get something a bit more beautiful. They were trying to get the puck to Matthew Wood in space and try and get him going. I'm pretty sure he's in like 
a couple month long gold drought right now, which is not what you want to see out of your first round pick player. Um, regardless of how young he is and, you know, regardless of kind of, you know, his quite obvious ability, you know what I mean? Like you don't get picked that high without being a, a great prospect, but right. he's in a bit of a slump right now. And they were trying to get him going all night and it simply wasn't working. So they just started to default to start hacking away at it. If we can't get a nice goal on Prabble, let's get one that'll just count regardless. And even then Prabble was poised. He was in position always. And he just kept using his big frame to just cover up as much of the net as humanly possible. He was cutting off angles particularly well, you know, basically gave almost zero space for any UConn player to shoot at. And even if they could get an, an angle to shoot at, the defense was right there to block any shots and just snuff out any sort of danger. So holistically, it was an amazing team effort and a great way to ice out the game. It was, and I have a quote from Coach Carville here. He said, I think the first 40 set them up for the final 20. Yeah. I thought our guys played outstanding. There were only two penalties in the game. I thought our power play looked really good and our PK looked good. But, you know, the biggest factor tonight was our goaltender. Michael Rabble looked really solid all night. Again, he makes tough saves look easy, but I really liked our game. The guys followed the game plan really well. And then we get two nice goals from two freshmen. So, yeah, that that basically sums it up. Phenomenal goaltending. Um, followed the plan to a T, I would say. Um, no defensive breakdowns to speak of in the shutout. So uh, really outstanding effort all around. I have no complaints from this game whatsoever. I've probably said it before. Um, quote me on this again. Michael Rabble is him. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like I, I'm learning Czech right now on Duolingo because of this guy. Like this is this is freaking insane. You know what I mean? Yep. He's been absolutely killing it. He's just he's kind of the talisman of our team right now. You know what I mean? Like when he plays well. I genuinely think we're unstoppable. Like that's the beauty I feel like of the goaltending position. If the goalie plays perfect, you genuinely cannot lose the game. You know, like we we know that very well as uh, 2021 UMass hockey fans. A hundred percent. I mean, I dare I say, I mean, this kid might end up being best goalie in UMass history. Like I know that's a lot to say about wow. a kid, especially this young. Like Jonathan Quick was good, right? But like. This kid right off the bat already has higher draft pedigree than than Quick. I think Quick might have been a third rounder, maybe a fourth rounder. I don't remember. Um, There's two other more recent guys that want to join the conversation as well. I know, but I'm just I'm just saying, like, with with what Rabble's doing right now in his freshman season, I feel like, you know, maybe the stats don't necessarily tell the whole story, but they might now, dude. He, yeah, I don't. Weekend. I don't even know what his stat. You know what? Hold on. Let me pull this up really quick. I already have elite prospects pulled up. This. You know what? Why don't Why don't we save this for a little bit later? Fair I think enough. We'll be talking about him after. All right. So, do Do we want to quickly discuss the uh the the funny little conversation with that drunk fan at the end of the game? Yeah. Why don't Why don't we use this as a PSA for UMass fans? Honestly, uh, all right. Because, like. We we got chirped pretty hard after the game um, by a couple guys. One one drunk individual in particular was really trying to bring up uh, our ba our school's basketball history. He said, "How many championships you have?" We said, "What we got one, one more than you." Uh, yeah. said, but how many in basketball? If you're we we don't we support chirping. Obviously, um, a good a good chirp is is can be effective, but. You gotta kind of, gotta, gotta kind of, gotta take it easy after you lose, especially at home. And you can't bring other sports into the mix. Yeah. We're at a hockey game for a reason. You can't bring basketball into it. That's just a like if we're if you're a UMass fan at any other sport, don't bring the hockey championship into it. It's just not yeah. cool. Yeah, no, I mean, this guy kind of set himself up for failure from the very beginning because he was sitting there trying to roast our team, asking how many championships we have never ever ask how many championships another school has if you have zero yourself especially <laughs> in the sport that you're currently watching that's mm. not even like their basketball team doesn't even play in that building you know what i mean yeah. like you you can't bring that up under any circumstances so it might have been the easiest thing of all time to put him in his place by answering his question as honestly as humanly possible like yep. we're sitting there saying he's like well do you not support umass basketball Look, I like UMass basketball as much as much as the next guy, but that's not what I'm here for. I'm sitting here watching guys with sticks and pucks play on a on an ice sheet. We're not bouncing balls on a on a court. You know what I mean? Like yeah. things are completely different here. This guy might have had the dumbest chirp I've ever seen in my life, and I understand that that doesn't represent all UConn fans. But holy moly, let this be a learning experience for everybody in the future. 
because that guy was a certifiable clown. And I don't want anybody else that's representing UMass to ever look that stupid ever again. Right. And we've, we've met some good UConn fans over the years, but tough, tough showing from the Toscano faithful on Friday night. Yeah. Sure. Not a great look. All right. Well, I, I think that's everything for the first game. Why don't we why don't we jump into game two? Sounds like a plan, brother. All right. So before game two, obviously we already talked about it a little bit. We had our event with Home Field, which was an absolutely phenomenal flying success. Uh, thank you guys for for coming out. We we really appreciate it. And it was a nice pregame for the Chill the Bill game, UMass annual whiteout game. Um, really good crowd, a little bit late arriving, but Solid student crowd, solid all-around crowd. I think I think it was just short of seven thousand, which is yeah. uh, back-to-back weekends of having it up that high. So you love seeing that out of the U.S. fans. It's going to be even more against BC next weekend. So uh, really, a re- lot of people in the Mullen Center lately. We love to see it. Uh, you don't fix what ain't broke, and the lineup was just about exactly the same. I think the only difference was. Elliot McDermott was the third line uh, left D-man. He got switched out for Sebastian Tornquist, who actually got most of his minutes taken by Aaron Bollinger in this game. But that was, I think, literally the only lineup change for this yeah. game. And like you said, if it ain't broke, don't fix it. You come off a 2 nothing shutout win away from home, you got to have a very similar lineup coming back. I mean, I don't know if it was just kind of keeping Tornquist fresh, you know, because we know that he's probably going to be a pretty big part of our future. I'm not sure exactly what went into it. Maybe Elliot might have been a little banged up. I genuinely have no idea. But I feel like, you know, that kind of, you know, bottom pairing, you know, D-man rotation, I don't want to say that they're all, like, interchangeable. I feel like they do bring different different things to their, you know, to the ice, like just different skill sets. But I feel like they are all just as capable. You know what I mean? Like, they all can do a job there on that third pairing. So no matter who's out there, I'm feeling – pretty darn confident in their abilities so i don't think it was too big of a change yeah i don't think it was was too noticeable um bollinger got a lot more minutes than he's been used to over the last couple weeks which was nice to see out of the the other captain on the team so i did like seeing that as we get into this one uh really no like debate about this one umass was the better team throughout every period of this game i think we could say that pretty confidently they came out firing right away and they get one pretty quick. Um, Jack Muse is able to knock one home. There's kind of a scrum in front of the goal. UConn uses their coach's challenge on this one right away, and it ends up paying off for them. They call goalie interference. I don't know if you saw anything particular on this one. I think we only got to see it um, live, like with our own eyes. But from what I saw, it, I didn't think it was goalie interference. But I, I assume, I assume it was enough to to overturn. Obviously, uh, the call was a goal, and they overturned it, so it was enough in the ref's eyes. But um, tough to get that first one taken away after you're flying high after a win and a, and a solid start to the game. Yeah, I mean, we were feeling good after that goal. I mean, it's never a good sign when your goalie's flat on his ass at the end of a goal. You know <laughs> what I mean? Like, that's never a great sign. You're probably thinking there had to have at least been some sort of contact there. Whether it was initiated by UMass, it's tough to say. Obviously, the refs thought that way. I, on the, on the first kind of, like, look through, I mean, obviously, we looked at it live because we were basically sitting right in front of the net when we saw it. But, I mean, it's kind of tough, right? Like, mm-hmm. there were so many bodies out in front. Clearly, you kind of had to go to a replay. And they were on the replay, I'm pretty sure, for this review for a little bit. Like, yeah, I think it was it a while. A solid... it, took, it took the wind out of the sails for sure. Exactly. I mean, granted, there were no, you know, there really wasn't any wind in the sails anyway because it would have ended up being called back regardless. But, I mean, mm-hmm. it's it's unfortunate. But I feel like if you got to take that long, there's kind of two ways you can look at it. If it takes that long... You can either say, yeah, they definitely got the call right because they were looking at multiple angles, or you could say, was it actually conclusive? You know what I mean? If they were looking at it for that long. So there's definitely two ways you can take it, but that was the call at the end of the day. And as we're going to talk about, looks like we get one back four minutes later anyway, okay? Yeah, it didn't take the boys too long to make up for that goal that got taken off. Uh, UMass, again, controlling play, cycling the puck in UConn zone. It ends up on Ninasari's stick, skating along the blue line. He's able to toss one on net. Just an absolutely beautiful tip from Cam O'Neill. Thought it might have been above the crossbar, but he gets he touches the puck just below the crossbar. Absolute beauty of a tip home, and just like that, is UMass one nothing yet again. Yeah, I think this was uh, this was Ninasari's. I think second apple of the weekend. I think he got the the secondary apple on uh, on Los Melis's goal in the first game as well. So I mean, 
great, great little two point weekend for him. I feel like, especially for a guy that's kind of known to be more of a defensive minded defenseman. This was probably the definition of a tippable puck right here. Just kind of lofted on net. O'Neill was in acres of space out in front. There was yeah. nobody near him. You know what I mean? Like at the bare minimum, he was looking at screening the hell out of the goalie. And if that shot was even on net by Ninosari, it could have just sailed in right by itself. But an amazing bit of hand-eye coordination out of O'Neill to tip this one on net. I feel like Ethan Hyder, who ended up being the uh, the goalie in this game for, for UConn, replacing Sergeyev, had almost no chance on this. I feel like great, well-worked puck right there. Good job by O'Neill to take advantage of all the open space that he had, and it was a great goal overall. It was, and uh, that's the end of the that's the end of the first period score, one nothing. The shots were even in this period, eleven for both sides, but just the eye test alone, UMass was the much better team. Like on Friday night, a lot of UConn's chances were uh, from far out of the crease, easy saves for Michael Rabble, nothing too too dangerous for them. I think UMass controlled the tempo pretty well, and we move on to the second period. Um, just a few minutes in again, we see Idar Suniev. Uh, he creates a lot of space for himself skating up the wing. Uh, basically a, a breakaway, not enough to, to go make a move on the goaltender, but he takes a wrister from just inside the faceoff dot. An absolute snipe bar down. Uh, this is a really pretty goal. You heard the loud ping, uh, right before the roar of the crowd. I, this is one of my favorite goals of the season. I gotta be yep. honest. It, Idar Suniev is a bad man. I warned y'all about this months in advance. Like, I feel like it's like that Stephen A. Smith clip. Like, I tried to tell y'all, you know what I mean? Like, that's how yep. I feel right now. Like, I want to make like one of those like photoshops where it's like, you got to be a sick man if you can think that you can bar down this on UConn. And I want to like photoshop like Sunia's face on like a guy in a hospital bed because that's <laughs> like, he must have been sick if that's the case. Like, yep. it was an unbelievable play. He, I mean, that's what he brings to the table. I feel like we've mentioned this before. He is a certified sniper. Kid comes over with one thing on his mind, scoring goals. And this one was particularly beautiful. I cannot wait to see what else he adds to his bag of tricks because this kid is so skilled. I, I'm just in pure shock. Like, I'm so happy that that happened. I remember seeing this goal live and I'm just sitting there thinking, there's no way in hell he just did that live. You know, it was one of the best shots I've seen in this building. So really, really great goal. And I feel like that kind of shell-shocked UConn a little bit. Just like, holy crap, this is what we're up against right here. You know what I mean? Yep. Yeah, it, it was real nice. UMass is really buzzing after this. But UConn is able to get him back for one just four minutes later. Uh, UConn getting a little bit of zone time cycling the puck around. We see a pass from Matthew Wood to Ryan Tattle, who found himself a lot of space in the kind of the high slot area. UMass had three or four guys caving down, trying to block pucks in front of the net, and he somehow threads the needle past uh, Michael Rabble on kind of the cross-crease pass opportunity. So UConn makes it 2-1. to one. It, it didn't really feel that like, oh, no, like they're going to come back. It kind of seemed like against the grain, like, oh, there's one, but we'll, we'll get another one or two to make up for that. So wasn't too nerve-wracking when it happened in the moment. And I mean, don't get me wrong. It's a nice shot. You know what right. I mean? Like it was definitely one of those plays where, you know, Rabble gets a nice one T against him in what was essentially the mid slot. might've been around the face off dot area. I mean, it's a nice shot. You know, yeah. Like there's really not much, you know, if obviously if Rabble's making a windmill glove save there, he would have had the perfect weekend, but yep. this was his only blemish on was otherwise an amazing weekend for him and the rest of the team. It is what it is. You're never going to be perfect. It's just, you just got to move on. You know what I mean? When that's exactly what UMass did. Yeah, he was maybe a little slow to cover the cross crease, but with the weekend he had, totally excusable, especially with the traffic in front. He probably didn't yeah. see a whole lot of that puck anyway. So uh, that makes it 2-1, to one, and UMass is able to answer just less than two minutes later. They're cycling the puck in their own zone. Cole is kind of in front of the blue line skating with the puck. He risked one home. I, I think he was intending for it to be a tippable pass out in front, and it somehow finds its way all the way through over the left shoulder of UConn's goaltender to make it three to one. That's it was a nice goal, but I I don't think he intended to score it. Yeah, I mean, you're talking about Harabel not being able to see a puck on that goal. I mean, yep. I don't think Hyder was able to see anything. Like you could have literally put a blindfold on this guy, and that was essentially how he reacted to this goal. When you have some traffic out in front. I mean, I think it was, what was it, Suniev who looked like? Or no, that's, it was Owen Murray that was out in front. So yeah. 
little bit of and a weird one there, but I mean, Murray and Jack Musa out in front. Yeah, definitely kind of a weird one, but I mean, that's kind of the beauty I feel like about UMass's defensemen is that they're so quick and so speedy and they tend to get so involved in the offensive zone play like that. We'll, we'll kind of start to interchange our forwards and our D men. And we kind of play this almost positionless hockey kind of thing. You know what I mean? I feel like we see that with like the Celtics sometimes where you just have like six foot nine wings just running around, you know, on the court everywhere. It's kind of similar with UMass just because we have so much speed and skill all over the ice. We can just interchange on the defensive and the offensive side. And I feel like this is a perfect example, you know, it's just kind of next man up, get in front of the net, get pucks to the net and good things are going to happen. And that was exactly what happened. Yeah, I'm looking back. If you if you actually take this video slow-mo, it looks like the only guy that's screening UConn's goalie is their own defender who's pushed up high on, on O'Hara. So interesting, very late reaction by the UConn goaltender. Just like that, UMass makes it 3-1, to one, and they take that lead into the locker room. Vibes are good. Uh, just another one period to go to finish out a nice three six-point weekend, and that's exactly what they do. Um, really solid third period from the boys. Um, they actually score a goal. I believe it was Taylor McCarr and uh, – I think it was Van Tassel. Nick Van Tassel, yeah. They get yeah. out on a two-on-one. Uh, beautiful cross-crease pass from McCarr to Van Tassel. He's able to tap one home. Nice celly in front of the student section. But UConn challenges again. Uh, they actually call this one back for offside. From what we've heard, that was probably the right call. Yeah. Um, the offsides there. But UMass, they're able to score five goals in this game. Only three of them count, but – this game was more lopsided than the score, I would say. The final score ends up being 3-1, to one, but UMass really dominated this game, and it was great to see. Yeah, so I, I have two kind of closing thoughts for this game. The first one is that 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 Van Tassel goal that got taken away, almost a carbon copy of from the first five minutes of the first game. I think it was Taylor cross-crease over to Van Tassel. In the first game, it was an amazing diving pad stop. The second one ends up actually scoring, and then they call it back for offsides super unlucky for Van Tassel. He could have easily had two goals this weekend and yep. unfortunately comes away with zero, which really, really sucks. The other point that I want to mention, which might end up being a little bit of a, of a longer point here, is there was a couple of, of penalties from UConn in this period. And they got real I, undisciplined in the third. Yeah, and the, on one of the, the penalties, I forget which one, but we were set up in the offensive zone for most of it. I think we got a couple shots on net. But the thing that I want to highlight with about 10 seconds left in the power play, we had the puck, I think it was down low along the boards, and you hear Hrabble start to bang his stick on the ice to say, hey, come back, come back, you know what I mean? Like, make sure that every, you know, make sure that we're safe. Because, what was it, last weekend or two weekends ago, we gave up another one of those kind of, what was essentially not really a shorthanded breakaway, but right as the guy comes out of the penalty box, he gets hit with a pass and is coming out for a breakaway, and we get scored on that way. Yeah. I feel like I don't know if it was something with the coaching staff or something that they, you know, practiced or really stressed during the week of practice. But I remember, I forget which defenseman it was, but somebody immediately, when he heard that stick start banging against the ice, started tracking back towards the bench. And I think it was he ended up sorry. I remember the exact yeah, you're talking he, about. He ends up going back for what I think was a line change. And I think it was either like Owen Murray or like Bollinger. Or somebody comes out on the ice in his place and he was sitting right at the neutral zone faceoff dot until that guy comes out of the box and literally glues himself to that guy when he comes out of the penalty box. That is exactly what I've been looking for ever since I saw those goals against coming out of, you know, with people coming out of the penalty box for a breakaway. I've been, I've been wanting that for so long. And the fact that we actually had the wherewithal, especially in a three, one game where if they were able to get a cheap goal like that, to basically put themselves right back into the mix and, and, you know, only be down by one with maybe, I don't know, eight, seven minutes left or whatever. That is exactly the type of kind of just mentality and purposeful thought process behind both the coaching staff and the players that I really wanted to highlight there because nothing ends up happening on this play. So everybody, I feel like would just automatically forget about it. But the fact that nothing happens on this play is literally the entire reason why I want to talk about it. So I just wanted to highlight that. I don't know whose bright idea it was to, you know, to draw that up and figure out that's how we're going to do it from now on. But by God, I was ecstatic to see that in the moment. <laughs> yeah, that's a good shot right there. Um, and UConn had a few opportunities at this. They had four penalties in the third period. They, it seemed in both games uh, after once, once we entered the third period in the, in the first game, it was after giving up two quick ones or at least the first quick one, then they kind of, kind of lose their mental 
Um, the in the second game, up by two, one period to play. They just get really undisciplined. Um, not, I didn't, I didn't love what I saw out of UConn. I think preseason, both you and I really expected more out of that team. But hey, it's uh, hockey East play. Not every game's easy. Um, and just to take advantage of that from UMass, make sure that you get the three points uh, in each game. And I would say rather comfortably in each game. So I, I was really happy with the outcome. Extremely happy. Like I said in the beginning of the episode, we asked for a sweep. We asked for six points, and they delivered. What more could you ask for? Right. And I have a, a quote from Coach Carvel that kind of echoes exactly what we're saying. He said, there are no easy games in our league, and sweeps are really hard to come by. I'm very proud of our team and our effort. It was a really solid game again. Our defensive game continues to be getting tighter and stronger. A big part of that is Michael Harabel. Michael is really starting to look comfortable in that when you go to World Juniors, it takes a lot out of you, and I knew it would take a little time for him and Donzel Schmelis to get back up to speed, but it sure looks like Michael is getting there. Really like the group right now. We've got four solid lines. We're solid on the back end, and our goaltender is playing exceptional hockey, which I think takes us right into our award segment. The first one that we like to give is the CCC, Carvel's character and compete, and you heard the words right from the man himself. It's Michael Harabel. He had one of the best weekends you could have as a goaltender. He didn't give up any goals. He had a, he had a lot of, he didn't give up any goals in the first game. He gave up the one in the second game and he had a lot of saves. He had 36 saves in the second game. And then I'm looking back towards the, the first one he had maybe trying to find it here. That's he had I'm 30, trying to pull it up. 30, 36 in the first game as well. So we had 72 save weekend only gave up one goal that, uh that goals against averages shooting way up that save percentage is shooting way up and he's been absolutely locked in since he came back from world juniors it's been so fun to watch yeah so i i think right after that second game the first thought that kind of went into my head was screw being the ccc for this week he might have been the player of the week for the entire nation you know what i mean like genuinely unbelievable performance the only issue with that statement however i think it was like everything college hockey posts up on their instagram I think a goalie for like Duluth or like Minnesota or somebody, I think he got two shutouts this past weekend. So technically I think you'd have to give it to him. So I think, I think maybe Rabble was the second best goaltender in the nation just because he let in that one goal. But other than that, man, he was frigging lights out, like unbelievable performance, especially for a 19 year old, you know, like mm-hmm. we keep harping on his age. He, he just turned 19. Play, he doesn't <laughs> play like a 19-year-old at all. This kid has the mentality of a 30-year-old professional goalie. You know what I mean? Like yep. He doesn't really seem, at least in recent memory, he hasn't really gotten rattled and had like a very, very poor game. What, what was, you know, like the last game where he really, you know, kind of stunk it up a little bit, probably back in November. It was probably either the Harvard game or the Vermont game. Like he's been locked in ever since, I feel like, and he's been really playing some of his best hockey to date. Yeah, the uh, I would say probably was it who played the the first road game against Merrimack? Was that Lushma, or uh, was that Harabel? Ooh, the first road game against Merrimack. I think that was Harabel. Yeah, well, that was Harabel. That he gave up four goals in the loss in that one. Yeah. Ever since that game against Northeastern, one goal against Merrimack, two goals against Maine, one goal against UConn, zero and one goal. So he's riding the heater right now, and he's. Yeah. He's he's been absolutely phenomenal. It's just what you need, and you can you can have any any type of team like really good shooters, really good defense, anything like that. But really, in in the postseason, it just kind of it rides on your goaltending. That's first and foremost, like the most important thing. If we can have this type of hot goaltender rolling into hockey East playoffs and national playoffs, I don't know. I think I think we can make some noise. We we've, we've been saying it from the beginning, man. Like this team can skate with any team in the nation. Have we been able to beat any team in the nation? Not yet, but that, that like, we're so close. You know what I mean? Yep. Like, And that's what's super exciting is that I feel like last season, we just knew for a fact, like, we just didn't have it. You know what I mean? We didn't have that X factor. I feel like we have that now, and, or at least recently. It's definitely been a lot more prevalent. I'm, I, I cannot wait to see where we're at, you know, in a month, month and a half's time. Because we we could be we could be playing in Minnesota, you know what I mean? Like that's yep. just that's just how it is right now. So I mean, we've been playing super super well right now. Long may it last, and I can't wait to see how the future what how the future kind of just like looks for us in general. 
Yeah, it's gonna be a it's gonna be a good test for travel against BC and their elite offense. We'll talk about that matchup a little bit more later on in this episode. But he's been phenomenal uh, and, and totally deserving of the CCC award this weekend. Definitely. All right. So next we have our good try UMass award. Uh, somebody that we'd like to see a little bit better effort from next time out there. And I will say we we tried pretty hard to find somebody to give this award to, but when you have two wins um one of them being on the road and only giving up one goal for for two games it's really hard to find somebody and we weren't able to single anybody out so good try this week it's going to toscano family ice arena that place is just too small we weren't able to get as as many umass fans as we'd like to in there although it didn't end up mattering um i i I don't like the place i want to see more umass fans in there and the place is just too small it doesn't allow it so uh the good try awards going to toscano you got to be better and to its credit, I, I don't want to completely roast the hell out of this arena because I think it's actually improved a bit since we were there last year. Yeah. Like, they've improved the concession options. I still feel like the actual seats themselves are great. You get to, There's not a bad seat in the house. Problem is there's not enough seats in the house. You know what I mean? Exactly. Like, if, you know, I feel like the main gripe that we have with it is that it is an objectively good arena, but not enough people are able to experience it, especially at a reasonable enough cost. <laughs> like, right. Every like with their whole season ticket situation with, you know, a bunch of like basically like boosters just holding on to the tickets or if they're selling them, they're reselling them for, you know, 80 bucks each minimum. Like there is a serious issue going on right now and it is not being addressed. That's probably the biggest L of the whole weekend. You know what I mean? Yeah. Is that they have this very, very nice arena that nobody can experience. And it's a damn shame because it, it is objectively a nice arena. Yeah, like everything outside of the capacity is really nice. Uh, but yeah, I, we got we to gotta pick somebody. We couldn't find anybody on UMass, so we're going to have to pick on the arena a little bit. We'd just like to see more more seats for UMass fans to to help us uh, argue with these these uh, hecklers at UConn that we yeah. picked over the weekend. All right, so next we'll go to our custom awards. I'll let you go first because I'm kind of hogging a few guys with mine. So what do you got? Understood. All right, so I am going to give this one to Aaron Bollinger. Uh, I'm going to call it the, what is it, the Comeback Kid Award. So he's been, um, according to Carvey, dealing with some with some nagging injuries, apparently. Um, that's kind of why we've seen, honestly, somebody who's been kind of a staple of our of our defensive lineup over the past couple years now. He's been relegated to this sort of seventh D-man role, kind of being sporadically deployed every now and then, especially onto the third defensive pairing. He played... You know the the extra you know kind of skater role in both games at least on the lineup sheet in the first game I think he might have seen one or two shifts maybe the entire game maybe if that in the yeah. in the second game I think almost every single third pairing shift he was out there instead of Tornfist even though he was still considered the extra defenseman so he he's back at least for that game he was back into the fold in a big way I think he played perfectly fine it looked like he was kind of back to his old self. I'm not sure what's kind of been the issue, but I'm happy to see him back, and I'm happy to hopefully have him make a comeback for the rest of the season because he definitely made a comeback this weekend. Yeah, he was plus one on the night in game two. Uh, he had a moment where he almost had himself a nice assist, one of the same uh, same plays that Ninasari did, kind of tossing one on net with a couple guys in front, almost got tipped home, so he could have had one there. Yeah, I, I'd love to see him back. He's obviously kind of like part of the heart of this team. He's got the C on his chest for a reason. Like you said, he's been a staple for, for a couple of years now. And to not see him out there, uh, even though he's been on the lineup, she has been a little odd. So I'm really rooting for him to get a lot more playing time and to obviously succeed. Uh, wish the best for him, obviously. Um, we're, we're real close with his family, great people. Yeah. Uh, just want to see him succeed. And yeah, like you said, I hope I hope we see a lot more of him come down the stretch here. He's, uh, should be a big part of this team, and I think you both both you and I really want to see that. Definitely. All right, Cam, what do we got for your awards? Because you said you're going to be hogging a couple of guys with this one. Yeah, so I'm, I'm calling this the Tint Advisor Award. Um, when you, you have a tint, some guys in hockey rock a Tint Advisor uh, just to make the glare of the lights a little bit, a little bit less than it is. Um, I need more than a Tint Advisor when I'm looking at UMass Hockey's future because it's pretty blinding. Guys like Jack Musa, Donzlish Mellis, Idar Suniev, Cam O'Neill, Nicholas Van Tassel, all of them scored goals this weekend. Van Tassel's obviously got called back. But um, if you if you include the two goals from Saturday that got called back, freshmen were responsible for six out of the seven goals. 
Um, if you don't count those, they're responsible for four out of the five goals on the weekend. So uh, the future is blindingly bright, bright for UMass hockey, uh, and it's and it's awesome. And this doesn't even include Michael Harabel, who's a freshman himself. I'm um, just talking about the the skaters here. So um, couldn't be more happy to see all the production out of freshmen this weekend and this whole season, honestly. I feel like we're starting to see the birth of, I think, what a lot of sports fans would call a golden generation. I feel like so that 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 kind of term tends to pop up a lot in like a like a soccer context. Like if you have like guys coming up from like the youth academy and you have, you know, four or five guys that you think are going to become these world class, amazing players all on the same team. I think that's what we have here at UMass. Like you said, guys like Musa, Suniev, you know, Rabble, you name it. We have unbelievable talent coming up right now. And they're borderline some of the best guys on the team right now as freshmen. You know what I mean? Like these guys are still essentially teenagers. You know what I mean? And they're playing amazing hockey right now. And if, you know, if any sort of, you know, if age is any sort of indicator, they're only going to be getting better, you know, like right. both physically, mentally, skills wise, they're just going to keep maturing and keep adding tools to their tool set and just improving constantly. It's, it's unfathomable to me what the ceiling of this is. Cause I feel like we saw this back in 2017, you know, when, when, when Carvey's first class kind of came in, he started to get his guys in because let's be honest, back in 2016, when he inherited that, that roster, he didn't have his guys. You know what I mean? He right. had a couple guys maybe transferring over from St. Lawrence when he came through, but he didn't have a full class of guys that him and his and his assistant coaches, who are now some of the best assistants and head coaches in the league with both D-Mike and Ben Barr, that that group hadn't really you know developed yet, and he wasn't really able to bring in those guys. But when those guys came in, you saw that massive improvement within the team. We went from five wins to, what, 17, 18 wins? We're starting to see that yeah. again. We had a bit of a slump last year. Granted, it was all Carby's guys. You know what I mean? We can't deny that. But, you know, he he understood what the issues were, and he addressed that in the offseason. And now we're starting to see the fruits of that recruiting labor once again. And it is, by God, a beautiful thing to behold. It's only going to keep getting better because I think that these next, you know, recruiting classes are going to be just as good, in my opinion. And we're just going to keep building on that success and just getting better. And I think that's what's going to happen with the guys that are currently on the team as well. Yeah, and it's like guys like Musa and Suniev are integral parts of our offense at this point. Like if we didn't have them, what kind of team would we even be? Who knows? Point? And then Lushmelis, Bantassel, O'Neal, all three guys are starting to get on the score sheet more and more, especially as we go down the stretch here. They're just getting better and better. So uh, future is super bright. And even with the recruiting class we have coming up, I'm – I'm I'm excited for UMass now, and I'm ex- really excited for UMass future. Things are looking up for sure. Before we move on to the BC talk, because I know we're going to be getting to that pretty soon, I just wanted to run a scenario by you, Cam, and sure. I'm curious to see your thoughts because I I don't think I've ever actually asked you this question before. Imagine a world, if you will, where Michael Frabel's still playing for the Omaha Lancers of the USHL, and our starting goaltender was David Fessenden, because that was what was going to happen in this offseason. We had the committal post already posted. He was allegedly, you know, committed to the team for a solid month until something fell through and he and he ended up going through to Canisius. You know what I mean? Yeah. Imagine where this team would be at right now if we didn't have Michael Brabble there. I mean, granted, you know, we'd still have the offensive firepower and we'd still have, you know, the majority of our team, but we wouldn't have our goaltender who currently has, I believe, 19 starts for UMass and is rocking about a 920 save percentage. Do we really think we would have had that if we had David Fessenden in the fold? I mean, we only have his history at UNH to kind of build off of, and I don't, I don't think we'd be particularly close to where we are right now, to be honest. Like, uh, wow. I, I, I tried to tell you, start of the season, if, if Michael Rabble shows any signs, it's his net. Uh, he took it over, and especially of late, he's been just performing with flying colors. It's been, yeah, I don't think we'd be anywhere close. I, I would assume that you feel the same way. Yeah, hundred percent. I mean, you knew where I was coming from with that yeah. question, but I, I just kind of wanted to lead that India. I feel like it was just another opportunity to kind of at least play like a little bit of like butterfly effect. You know what I mean? Like, I wonder yep. what his stats would be in the USHL right now. He'd probably be rocking like a nine forty save percentage. Granted, the Omaha Lancers are, for lack of a better term, hot garbage right now. So <laughs> he definitely would have been getting a lot of practice, and he would have been getting a lot of ability or a lot of chances to show off his ability. But I think. 
he was so much better off coming to UMass, even though everybody thought it was a year early and we didn't know what we were going to get. We sure as hell know what we're getting now. And I feel like we are loving it. We're loving what we're seeing. Yeah. And you mentioned the butterfly. If, if Rabble doesn't come and the team doesn't have as much success this year with this day and age with transfers and everything, uh, you might be losing a couple more guys. You might not be set up for next year's team. So um, I think it's, I think it's paying off in a lot of different ways that we won't be able to, to calculate, but I, I really, I really love that we were able to get him in here early. It's been uh, an absolute blessing to, to watch him play, to be honest. Crazy to think about. Right. All right. So uh, before we do jump into BC, I'll just go through the hockey East scoreboard from this week. A lot of games to get through. So we'll rifle through them. Uh, the Monday before the weekend's games was the start of the bean pot. Um, the, the famous uh, tournament between the Boston schools. Harvard played Northeastern. Northeastern beat them in OT. They had an OT game winner. Uh, and BU got their revenge on BC, 4-3. to three. Um, BC got a couple of goals late. It was it was 4-1 to one BU at one point. But um, BC was able to sweep BU earlier this year, and BU gets their revenge. Uh, tough tough for Ryan Leonard, who went to BC to play in the bean pot to uh, get knocked out in the first round. But we won't, we won't talk too much about that. No. On Friday, we saw Providence go up to Maine. Uh, they went up for the whole weekend. Maine won the first game two to one, and Providence was able to squeak by four to three in overtime for the upset win in game two. So good result for them. Uh, starting to get real muddy in the the UMass Maine Providence area, the hockey East standings that we'll go over in just a little bit. Uh, Boston University hosted Merrimack, and they absolutely crushed them seven to one. BC hosted UNH, they absolutely crushed them six to one. Uh, UMass Lowell played Vermont in Lowell for a couple games, uh, and they went about as you'd expect a 1 1 tie in game one. Vermont won the shootout, a 3 3 tie in game two. Uh, Vermont wins the shootout again. So, two two of the bottom dwellers there, Hockey East tie in. Uh, and then on Saturday, Merrimack hosted New Hampshire. Merrimack got the 3 1 win. Uh, and then today we have more bean pot as we're recording this, it's Monday. So the bean pots happening tonight. I think last time I checked BC was up three, nothing on Harvard. And then the championship game BU against Northeastern is happening at night. So a lot of hockey East action, nothing, nothing too crazy. I don't think that really catches my eye. I don't know about you. Yeah. I, I feel like I'm going to use this time just to talk about how much of a two horse race. I feel like hockey East is right now. Yeah. The two Boston schools, they've been killing it in recruiting. They've been killing it on the ice. They're, Boston, those Boston schools are, you know, just they're they're them right now. It's not like it's not like a he's him. It's this is this is a plural type thing. You know what I mean? Like they are both just they're the two teams that are at the top right now, which I don't know what that means for the rest of hockey use. Like it makes me think like, is there is there the possibility of a crazy upset in the playoffs? You know what I mean? Like you just never know. So I'm I'm curious to see kind of how the hockey's playoffs, you know, end up because all it takes is a hot team to just, you know, take out one of the top teams. It feels like any time that a team is number one in the nation, they are so prone to being to being upset. You know what I mean? Yeah, it always tends to happen. Like, yep. so I mean, I I think we might and I, I'm gonna make the call right now, and I have zero evidence to back this up. I don't think either one of them are going to win the hockey championship. Wow. That's, that's, that's my crazy prediction. This isn't me trying to be a homer saying UMass is going to do it. I have no idea who the hell is going to do it, but I feel like there's always that like number one team curse that always tends to come around. Like BU has lost before while being the number one team. BC has lost before while being the number one team. They both have a propensity to lose randomly. It very well could happen in the hockey's playoffs. I'm interested to see how those go down. Yeah, and remember, UMass has two Hockey East titles. Neither of them were they the one seed. The only time they were the one seed was 2019, and BC bounced them in the semifinals. So, um, yeah, that's a that's a hot take from you. We'll we'll wait to see if that one comes true. But yeah, look at look at the standings right now. BU's in first by just one game. Uh, BC's behind them with actually an extra game to play. So BC could easily leapfrog them. BC, the, the number one team in the nation right now. Maine is third behind them. And then UMass has gone up to number four. Um, they're four points behind Maine, equal amount of games played. So that series at the end of the season could be really big between Maine and, and UMass up in Orono. 
Providence is tied for fourth technically, but UMass has an extra game that they still need to play. So uh, theoretically, you you could see them jumping above Providence there. So I think we were we were talking about it uh, with some of our our hockey friends. I think the place that you really want to avoid is that five seed. Um, you can you obviously get the first round by, but if if Maine does somehow fall to being the four seed, a road trip up to Orono for the the hockey Ugh. East quarterfinals would not be ideal. Right now, if the season were to end today, UMass would host Providence, which I think is a pretty favorable matchup for UMass given what's what's gone down this year. And if somehow UMass is able to leapfrog Maine, uh, if if that happened and then the season ended, they get a home matchup with UConn, which obviously would be a favorable matchup again. So um, UMass looking good, looking as of right now, that uh, should be pretty safe to say they're going to get that first round by. But yeah, like you said, big big gap between BU, BC, and the rest of the field for sure. Yeah, I don't want to. I don't want to count our chickens before they hatch. I don't want to make any sort of predictions regarding UMass's final spot because yeah. how many games we got left? We got eight, I think. Eight, eight, eight left. Yep. Yeah. Anything can happen. I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm not going to be making any predictions, I think, until maybe the last series. You know what I mean? Because <laughs> we'll have a much better idea of where everybody's stacking up points wise. I'm hoping to God that we get that fourth seed because, yeah, man, right now, Maine, they're scary, especially at home. I think they might even be undefeated at home in hockey East play. Yeah. I don't remember. I think they were like 8 0 1 last time we checked, and that might have been last week. I don't think they've lost at home yet. So, Super, super scary stuff right there. UMass has the ability to create upsets. Don't get me wrong, but there's a reason why Maine is a top five team. You know what I mean? I think they're, what, fourth or fifth in pairwise right now, and it's completely yeah. deserved. You know, they've been a really, really good team. You know me. I love Ben Barr. He's been doing his thing up there. He's continuing to do his thing, and I don't know. I'm just hoping we can kind of avoid them as long as humanly possible, and we can gain a little bit more momentum and hopefully – if we do have to face them, it'll be after a couple of hockey's playoff wins. Yeah, Providence actually gave them their first home loss this weekend oh, uh, in that, that, in that oh, overtime God. win. So, yeah, they're they're dominant at home. I we'd much rather prefer to get a home game against Providence or UConn. So we'll see how that shapes out. But uh, a big a big factor in that could be what happens this upcoming weekend. Arguably, UMass's biggest matchup of the season. It's a home and home with number one team in the country, BC. Uh, they've been a real. They've been on a real uh, strong stretch this season. They're twenty-five and one. Obviously, uh, number one in the country. Um, number one in the pairwise too, I believe. They're thirteen three and one in hockey East play. They're eleven two and zero at home. Nine two and one on the road. They're, I I think, pretty clearly the best team in the country right now. Um, and UMass certainly has a challenge and an uphill battle to face playing them, but. Hey, they're they're playing well defensively. Harabel's been electric in net, so anything is possible. It's going to be an awesome couple games this weekend. It's going to require a holistically amazing game out of UMass on both ends of the ice and in transition in order to 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 get points off of BC. I hate BC as much as the next guy, but you can't deny how good they are. You know what I yep. mean? Like I'm I'm prone to being a homer and, say, and making some hot takes every now and then in this pod this is not the time to be doing that. You know what I mean? Like I just did that with the hockey's playoff talk. I'm going to, I'm going to leave that where it's at and I'm not going to make any more hot takes for the rest of this. I think cam, the best way you described it to me when we were, you know, talking before the pod, we're kind of playing with house money a little bit. Yep. I don't think that's going to be the mentality that UMass is going to be coming in with. We know how great we can be. They know how great they can be. It's, it's up to us to prove it. You know what I mean? If we are as nice as everybody, you know, as as we're all claiming that we are, we got to prove it here. And I think, you know, there's definitely the ability to take points off of off of BC in the series. We're going to have to if we even remotely want to, you know, win the hockey's championship for what would be now, I think, a third time in what, four years? Like, yeah, we, we got to pull that off. So I don't know just how likely it is but it's definitely above a non-zero chance for sure. I yeah, am super excited for this weekend. Yeah. Um, I, 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 the team definitely won't have that. Uh, there's, there's, there's no way, no way to lose mentality, yeah. but as a fan, think about it. Uh, pair, in the pairwise Boston college is number one right now. So even if UMass gets swept this weekend, they're not going to get that big of a hit to their, 
to their pairwise ranking overall. No, not at all. Obviously, obviously, we're rooting for wins, but just silver linings. Um, it's not the end of the world. Uh, BC is a phenomenal team. And I think it would do this team a lot of good to to get a win, at least one win this weekend, just to prove to themselves that they can go out and beat any team in the country. Um, I think you could confidently say that if you get a win against BC. Um, we'll just jump into their roster. They got a lot of guys, some familiar faces, some new faces. Um, Jacob Fowler's turned into an, a phenomenal goalie for them. He's Team USA's goalie in the World Junior Championship, which won gold, gold medal. So um, obviously he's pretty good there. Uh, Cutter Gauthier is a second-year guy. Um, a lot of drama involving his NHL status. He got traded because he said he wouldn't play for the Flyers. Um, so a little bit of a weird situation there. Don't know all the details. Sounds a little bit entitled to me, if I'm being honest. Uh -huh. But um, And obviously they have Ryan Leonard, the brother of famous UMass player John Leonard. He's from Amherst, but he wanted to go to BC to play in the bean pot. Um, how did that go, Ryan? Uh, <laughs> so... Uh, Gabe Peralt is also another really good guy. He's a freshman, a lot of goals this season. Um, they they have a lot of guys, man. Their offense is is really scary. Will Smith, another guy, he's a freshman. Um, just unbelievable depth and and scoring on this team. So uh, make sure in a in a healthy, nice way. Make sure to give Ryan Leonard a really hard time this weekend at Mullins. Make sure make sure he hears it for sure. Um, but yeah. I, we need a really rowdy crowd to, uh, in game one. It's going to be our best shot getting them at home um, in front of ideally a sellout crowd at Mullins. But, uh, yeah, they have a lot of guys, man. It's it's scary looking down their roster. Yeah, I mean, it sounded like you already named off half their team. Do we want to just name the other half while we're at it? Like, that's just <laughs> that's what they got. Their, their top nine guys are all drafted, you know what I mean, in terms of points. Yep. So their team's filthy. Ryan Leonard has a propensity to yell at goalies after scoring against them. So – if we end up scoring, you know, and, and he's on the ice, we got to yell at him just as hard. You know what yep. I mean? Like if he, if he's going to be that guy and he wants to, you know, start chirping people, I think we got to start chirping right back. So this is going to be an interesting weekend for sure. I, I don't know, you know, what type of game if it's going to be, if it's going to be like, we got to get super physical and try and just out grind them and just outwork them. I don't know what it's going to come down to at the end of the day. I don't know if it's going to be an absolute goalie duel. This could be a barn burner and both games could go freaking, you know, six to five, you know what I mean? Or yeah. they could both go one, nothing. All bets are off. I have no freaking clue. It's going to be a hell of a series regardless. I think it's going to be really hotly contested and I'm curious to see who comes out on top. Yeah. Make sure you give Ryan Leonard the biggest sucks and uh, in the, in yeah. the player introductions for sure. I'm just looking at some stats now too. It's it's absurd. They score 4.2 goals per game by Good far, Lord. by far the most that we've seen from an opponent this year. They only give up 2.3 goals a game, so their defense is pretty good. They're almost 30 percent on the power play, 27.9 percent. Also absurd. That probably leads the nation. I don't have those numbers in front of me, but uh, you have to assume when you're close to 30 percent. Uh, they have they don't have many majors. They're pretty disciplined in that regard. Um, obviously they have a couple guys, uh, that can be a bit of a hothead, but uh, most of the time they're able to keep it in control. Their their only number that is negative that I could tell, uh, in the face-offs they're 48.6%. So not even that bad. Uh, they do a phenomenal job killing penalties as well. So, uh, really no, no, no bad looks for this team at all. It just scared me a little more looking at these stats, but yeah, UMass certainly has their work cut out for them. And I, I think they can be up to the task. They just need to bring out their best in every aspect of the game. Faceoffs don't mean a damn thing if they're scoring at a 4.2 goals per game clip. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like if that's really their only knock against them and the rest of them are the actual stats that matter, who the hell cares? You know what I mean? Like we we know what we're getting ourselves into here. They're an extremely skilled and an extremely good team overall. I don't want to sing their praises any more than I have to, so I'm going to leave it at that, but it's going to be a hell of a weekend once again. I mean, I'm really, really curious to see what UMass is going to bring to the table in these games and how we're going to kind of live up to the challenge because I feel like in a lot of cases recently, or maybe not even recently, but just over the course of the season, me and you, I feel like we're pretty aligned on this subject. It started off the season that we would kind of play down to our opponent's level, but we would yeah. also play up to our opponent's level. This right now is the ultimate chance to play up to our opponent. Yep. You know what I mean? If, if we play up to BC's level and we understand the challenge that's ahead of us, I we we can we can do the the quote unquote impossible. It's not impossible in any stretch of the imagination, but 
for the headlines and everything, I'm going to say the impossible. You know what I mean? But I, I definitely think we have a fighting chance here. And I'm curious to see how these games go. You know me. If we lose, I'm going to be throwing a fit and probably punching the wall afterwards. Because you know me. I get. I treat every game like it's our last. Yep. But the realistic hockey fan in me says I shouldn't be too concerned with how the results go. But you know me. I'm going to go crazy regardless. Yeah, if we can get one or two points, I'll be happy. If we can get three, especially if, if it's through getting a win, uh, I will be absolutely thrilled. If we sweep – if we sweep – I don't know. I don't want to. I don't want to make any promises for. I'm gonna riot in do. Boston. I'll be climbing telephone poles. I don't care what the hell I'm doing. I'm gonna be getting rowdy. Right? That's what's gonna happen if we sweep. If we if we sweep, I'll take my shirt off running through the field outside of Conti form. How about that, dude? Easily. That if that's not sweep. even, dude. I'll do more than that. I don't know what it'll be, <laughs> but for legal purposes, I will not be elaborating any farther. But it will get crazy. I'll say that much. Yep. If there's any game the rest of the way that you need to make it to, it's Friday night at Mullins. Uh, make sure you're there. Uh, we need to sell out that building for sure. Students, uh, everybody else, we need to have that barn packed. It'll give it'll give the boys the best chance to win for sure. Um, it'll probably be hard to find tickets for Sunday's game at Conti. Uh, we were lucky to snag enough, but uh, you might, you'll probably be paying a, a pretty penny for those. But if you can make it there, the more the merrier. The boys need all the support they can get. Massive weekend, dude. I'm I'm excited. I'm ready Damn. to go. Call call it that call the arena by its proper name. It's Mullins East. Please. Yes. Okay. Don't don't call yes. it don't call it that wretched name that will not be spoken of again. All right. I don't care how much these tickets are. How much do we drop on them? Like 50 a piece? Yep. I don't care if they're a hundred a piece. Get your ass in that building and turn it into Mullins East like it's supposed to be. All right. This is probably the biggest regular season that we're gonna have for the rest of the time here for sure but probably throughout the course of the whole season you know what i mean yeah get your butt in those seats and cheer on the boys it's as simple as that yep it is so uh we will see you there friday night couldn't be more excited thank you guys for listening to this episode it was a fun one nice to get a, a hockey east sweep and it seems like the boys are, are well on their way to a, a nice postseason appearance here so thank you guys for listening once again and go umass Go UMass. Take care, everybody. Perfect weekend against UConn, and maybe we'll get a perfect weekend against BC as well.